Welcome to episode 1136 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? I'm steaming mad. Ooh, why? Well, because I was listening to the catcher's breakdown and you guys were comping Cal Raleigh to Mike Zanino. How dare you? Dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I think you're gonna kind of know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get power and probably a bad batting average. Um, no, this is true. I mean, in yeah. all in all seriousness, you know, uh, you know, we were obviously maybe I was the highest Raleigh fan coming into last year of the of the trio. Uh, I think of the industry, to be honest, <laughs> possibly. Uh, I know I was I was big on him. And I he was you know you and I were just talking off air like who do we have like shares of on all of our teams. I had Raleigh everywhere last year, uh, you know, getting him in the late 30s. I think I got him the 39th round in the D.C. that I won. Uh, so, as, you know, as much as I liked him last year, even I'm like, I don't know if I want to pay the market price this year uh, on that. So, it, it's like I get it. Uh, you know, if you listen to, on the Rotowire podcast, uh, one of the nights last week, uh, Fred Zinke was on. He was talking about the, you know, the disease that you get when you're, like, so right on the guy. You're like, oh, I got to go right back out there and take him. I mean, it's one thing with you with Mullins because he was able to repeat, but on a on a fringe guy, uh, like I mean, Raleigh, as you guys outlined, you know, there he certainly does have risk associated um, there. But you know, last year may have been the upside uh, with the power, especially how he got hot in the second half. Um, but you guys did a good job of outlining the risk. I, I, I jest, but I was like, when I heard those two names in the same sentence, I was like, they're like calling me out. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, this is a really good point, like, and not something we had planned for the rundown, but I think it's, you know, when you have breakouts, I, I'm not one of the people that obviously, like, always fade guys, right? Like, um, there was a lot of talk last year about, like, well, why are you fading Cedric Mullins or why are you fading uh, Marcus Simeon? Um, and people would say, well, it's just because, you know, th they have to regress back. Well, I think that sometimes offers buying opportunities on certain guys. And I think we saw that with those two guys in particular. However, there are other guys where I go, I can get this tool, you know, this tool set later, right? Like Cal Raleigh, I like Cal Raleigh, but I want to find the next Cal Raleigh. I don't want to pay the price necessarily. I'm not saying I'm out on Cal Raleigh. I may end up with him. But if I'm going to take a guy who might destroy my batting average, typically I want to take them outside the top 200. I don't want to take them inside the top 200. Yeah, I agree. Yes. So, uh yeah. We have, uh, we have a fun show today. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, Jason and I are going to go through uh, uh, each kind of roto category um, and figure out a guy that we like going after pick 300 uh, in NFBC Draft Champions Leagues. So for you guys who are 10-teamers, you're more than likely, these are guys who probably are waiver wire guys, or maybe you want to take a shot on them with your last round pick. Um, and for, you know, 12 teamers and uh, 15 teamers, these are the end draft guys. Um, we thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about kind of the back end of the pool as opposed to the front end uh, of the pool because you can get that content everywhere. Right. And, you know, uh, and Paul, so Paul and I will be talking about every player uh, through our positional previews anyways. So uh, but first, let's start with Zach Grinky, who re-signs with the Royals. Uh, no, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Zach Greinke. I don't want to say no one's a bigger Zach Greinke fan because there are some fanatics out there for Zach Greinke. I love Zach Greinke. I, you know, uh, I think he's a, a really, really fun personality. 
I don't know how much fantasy goodness he has, but what the hell are the Royals doing here, Jason? Like bringing in back a guy like this who is just going to block any sort of promise they have from some of their younger arms. You know, it, sometimes when you see something like this, it's like a mentoring thing. But mm-hmm. then you do you hear all the Zach Granky craziness stories? He's right? not mentoring anybody. <laughs> that's that's where it gets now. The, the mentoring thing for me would be funny because he's going to come with brutal honesty, mm-hmm. like. Hey, Brady Singer, you know, he walks up, Zach, hey, Zach, you know, what do you think I should work on this year? Your changeup sucks. Like that, that would be the state, that would be the statement. It wouldn't be, you should get an us. It's like the brutal honesty. Uh, and so that's where it's a little weird for me. Uh, yeah, maybe it plays the fan favor, but like for fantasy value, last year I spent $2 on him in AL Tout, uh, and I wouldn't do that again. Uh, and I did that because it was the end game, and I'm like, okay, where can I find some innings? Uh, you know, if I didn't want to throw him out at a dollar, somebody else says two. So I threw him out at two and would have let him go uh, at three. And nobody else said three. I guess I said, okay, I guess I've got Zach Greinke. That did not work out well. Uh, and so it's he just simply doesn't strike out enough. Even for a, uh, an AL-only format, the strikeout rate is so low. Uh, if you want to take the chance and, and want to see if something's going to happen there, you got to have the right roster around him because uh, there's no upside. There really is no upside uh, to this pick. And so it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, if you're looking for a hundred innings plus and he, and you need the innings, that's where it's at. But I really don't want Zach Greinke on my roster this year. Yeah. I mean, outside of Vale only as like a $1 play, uh, I think you're looking at draft champions. So, you know, fit your own draft and hold uh, kind of league uh, where you're just looking for innings late in case you get a rash of injuries in your pitching uh, staff. So, uh, other than that, like he probably is a streamer at best, and even I don't know what scenarios you really would really want to stream him for. Oakland. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess an Oakland series, but you know he's not going to get a ton of wins on the Royals. He's not going to get strikeouts, and so right. um, you know the the ratios have to be pristine to even use him as a streamer. So, all right, that is uh, kind of the news. We're getting to this point of the off season where until we start having some spring training and WBC games being played. We're not going to have a ton of news. Yeah, it's like do something. It's always yeah. right now is arbitration signings are uh, – we're, we're seeing some best shape of their life stories trickle mm-hmm. out. I saw yesterday Tatis feels like he's close to 100%, and I think that subject's been covered uh, enough. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that Luis Severino is not going to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. So it's like that's the kind of news that we're getting these days. Uh, and frankly, like give me a trade. Give me something. I, I need to see. I want Jerickson Profar to sign somewhere. Uh, you know, those types of things. It's, we're it's getting kind of close. It's kind of crazy that Profar hasn't signed anywhere. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a money thing uh, at this point. I don't know. But, you know, we're, what, like two weeks for – not even two weeks from pitchers and catchers reporting. I, I think we're, we may be t- exactly two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of crazy that he hasn't uh, found a home yet. Because there certainly are, you look at some of those depth charts, and there certainly are some room where you're like, that guy, that guy's really going to get that much playing time for that team. Uh, and so, yeah, well, let's go. Let's get some yeah. stuff. Elvis Andrews hasn't signed yet. Profar hasn't signed yet. David Peralta hasn't signed yet. Michael Walker hasn't signed yet. Gary Sanchez hasn't signed yet. Um, so, I mean, there are still some decent guys out there on the real-life waiver wire uh, just kind of sitting around. Uh, waiting for a job, so we'll we'll see what happens with them. Uh, let's uh, let's just jump into our topic again. Our topic is 
uh, I kind of gave Jason uh, the uh, you know uh, the homework assignment of find guys after 300 it helps you in every single roto category. Obviously, if you play in points leagues, batting average uh, isn't going to be a huge you know uh, helper in terms of, but you can kind of you know look at that as a hits category or hits points category. Uh, same with ERA and WHIP. Let's start with batting average. Uh, Jason, who is your guy? Hey, and one thing I'll say before you uh, before we get going into this. Understand, folks, we got 20 different players here. It's not going to be like, oh, that was yeah. my guy. It's like we, we did our homework here. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're giving you 20 different guys to think about here, uh, which is which is nice because this is – we're talking ADP of, of 300 or later in draft champions over the last uh, over the last month. So really this applies to all different league um, depths because some of these guys may not be draftable, but these are guys you're going to be fabbing potentially. Yeah. Uh, are you guys to keep on your watch list? So we we felt like this was a nice uh, sweet spot to hit the end game, and you know, twelve times twenty three is three sixty. So these are going to be names that are coming up in the end game of a twelve team mixed league. In a ten team mixed league, we're now talking reserves. Uh, and a fifteen team mixed league, it's a little higher. It's like rounds eighteen or, or, or later. So we're talking about those things. So that said, my, my batting average pick is a guy that uh, I believe hit a buck ninety four last year. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm going Dominic Smith now that he's with the Nationals. He's escaped from New York. Uh, Dom Smith has hit all over the minor leagues. Uh, he has just never hit New York, uh, and now he's going to have the opportunity with the Nationals because um, you and I could make that roster potentially. Uh, and I. I want to see him, uh, what he can do in an everyday uh, situation. He may be in a platoon situation, which would actually help batting average, but he could also be an everyday guy too. I mean, that's what he did in the minor leagues. And so uh, I want to give him one more chance here. Uh, and I, I'd like the guy you chose because he was, I, you know, I'm up early. I didn't want to take all the great guys. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to uh, spread it out a little bit uh, with this. But this is the guy that I want to go with because value-wise – uh, the price isn't that high. Uh, I wanted to pull that up uh, to reference uh, as we look. You know, the price wasn't terribly high when I looked at it, but I just wanted to make sure that he was outside of that. Uh, and I'm losing track of where he was. Dominic Smith. Eh, I can't find it. Anyhow, he's outside top 300. That's my guy. I'll look it up while you're talking about yours. Yeah, Dom Smith is currently going pick 468 in NFC Draft Champions. I love the Dom Smith pick, uh, and he would have actually been, uh, had you not already taken him for batting average, I would have taken him for RBIs, actually, um, because he's going to hit in, you know, top middle part of that order in Washington. And I think they're going to play him really, really, uh, you know, regularly. At least that is what it sounds like. So while I'm not like the biggest of Dom Smith fan, uh, especially because I don't think there's necessarily a ton of power in the bat. I think he could be a really cheap source of runs, RBIs, and batting average if you're kind of looking for that late. So really, really good pick. I picked Michael Brantley. I'm not a big Michael Brantley guy, but he, he he's projected to bat second in that order. Um, he will miss time, and so that is something that you have to kind of account for. But uh, ultimately, he's going to, you know, he, he could also be a good, a really good source of runs, but all the dude does is make contact uh, and get on base. Uh, and I just think Michael Brantley is probably going way too low, and I think it might have to do a little bit with a kind of cheap signing and, and the uh, the injury risk. But I think Brantley's a, a pretty uh, good steal at the price, even though I'm not the biggest of fan. 
Well, and it's all he does is hit the batting average. That's it. Yeah. I mean, everything else has been the you know the the big power year was in 2019 when everybody was hitting the baseball uh, the home runs. So he had the 22 home runs. But understand the 288 average he hit for last year was his lowest uh, in a full season uh, since 2013 when he hit 284. I mean, this guy hits 270, falling out of bed. Uh, as it is, but it is the only category you can count on his old legs. He, you know, he may, if he can stay at the top of the, if he can stay hitting second, then that allows him those run scoring abilities that you said, but again, those are old legs. Uh, and so it's going to take doubles and triples at homers to score him. He's not going to score that often from, uh, on, from second on a single. Um, there's, there's going to be some restrictions there with that. So, uh, you know, there's some one and a half category upside with him, but that's it. I mean, the home runs will not be there. The RBIs, you know, he just didn't have enough extra base hits, so that's going to limit his his RBI um, production as well. And like you said, you have to bake in uh, the injuries because you know, he has had issues staying on the field um, over the last two years, um, and a, that doesn't get any better with age. But you know, for like you said, batting average late, you, he is easily the best guy for this because he just you know he does this falling out of bed. And and I also want to like say like you know this is a guy you want to kind of track during draft season too because uh, there are reports that he may not even be ready for opening day coming off injury so uh, definitely uh, definitely kind of keep track of Michael Brantley um, moving on to power I'll go first uh, especially because mine's a, a pretty big no brainer especially if you've listened to this pod for any length of time because uh, I've already talked about him multiple times uh, this off season and uh, he's probably been one of my most talked about guys over the course of uh, my time on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, uh, and that's Nelson Cruz. I know he only hit 10 home runs. Last year was a disaster. A lot of people who had been predicting his demise for about a decade were finally doing their victory laps, but he had an off-season eye surgery uh, that uh, apparently corrected a, a really bad vision issue that was holding him back last year. And this is a guy that in 2021, he hit uh, 32 home runs. In the shortened 2020 season, he had 16 home runs. And really, if you you know look past last year, the last time he didn't hit 30 home runs in a full season was 2013. Um, he's going really, really cheap. We're talking outside the top 500 picks right now. Um, pick 524 uh, currently in the last, or since the beginning of the year on NFBC Draft Champions. He's an absolute steal. Absolute steal. If he returns to... He doesn't need to return to peak Nelson Cruz, but if he right. just returns back to 2021 Nelson Cruz this year after a down year, um, he's going to be a league winner at that price. Yeah, you're never going to hear me say a bad word about the guy. Uh, he's in the value of the scrap heap article that I wrote at Rotowire. Uh, and like I said, you're never going to hear me say a bad word about the guy. Uh, you know, so for my pick, and I would, and the only reason I didn't put, so I'll, I'll tell, you know, be transparent. I wanted to put Nick Prado down here uh, from Kansas City, but uh, the issue is I don't see the as clear of a path for playing time as the name I put down in Kyle Stowers with Baltimore. Uh, you look at, uh, or Stowers, I should have looked up pronunciation. You look up the path to playing time for him, and he's already projected in the lineup. Uh, and there's nobody like behind him banging down that door. Um, you look at what uh, Stowers has done in, in AAA last year. He had 19 home runs. He had 22 home runs overall. Um, but he's made the climb up the organizational ladder, and he's lefty, so he doesn't have the, the Camden Yard rebuild 
playing against him. Uh, and so that's the reason why I went here because of the, it's a clear path for the opportunity for him to use that power. But that said, I do like Nick Prado quite a bit as well. So I would say, look at Stowers for the, or you know, Stowers for the uh, mixed league stuff. But I'm talking Prado for you single league formats uh, as well. Yeah, it's an Adam Dunn type profile. There's a lot of walks. There's a lot of strikeouts. But there's a lot of pop there too. Um, and it's for me, it's like he may be, he may be traded by that organization because he profiles at where Benny Pasquatino and MJ Melendez are. And so like maybe there's an opportunity for him to get traded, Prado to get traded because he's a really good defender. Uh, and maybe another organization, uh, you know, they can say, look, we've got some of this. You need some of that. Let's make a swap uh, and see where that plays out. So I just wanted to put that name in there. But Kyle Sowers is the guy that uh, I'm looking for in big sleep formats for light power. I believe it is Stowers uh, because his nickname on baseball reference is Stowers Power. There we go. Um, so I assume they did that. As a that remember, remember, it was Joe Thiesman, but he became Thiesman when he wanted to Heisman. So. Mm. Yeah. I didn't actually know that. That's a, that's yeah. a, oh, I, should know that. I should know that as a as a Washington Commanders fan, but I did. That's right. That's why I dropped it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Stowers is really interesting. I think it's all going to come down to how much does he play, um, you know, and then how much contact can he make. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that uh, he showed good contact ability uh, at the major league level, and in kind of in his small ninety eight uh, plate appearance sample, um, he also you know showed power with three home runs during that time. Uh, but he's been a guy who's, you know, swung and missed a lot in, in the minor leagues, uh, you know, 30% strikeout rates, 25 plus percent strikeout rates all throughout uh, the minor leagues. So it's going to be a matter of, can he get enough playing time and can he make enough contact to unlock that power? I think he can. I think this is a really good pick. He's going super late um, in NFBC uh, draft champions uh, right now. Uh, let's see. He is going at pick. 471 right now since the beginning of the year. Uh, all right. Uh, move on to your next guy. Who do you have for run scored? So here, when, you, when you're looking at runs, you obviously have to look at context. You know, you got to have somebody that's going to hit high. If you're looking for sleeper runs, right? Somebody who's going to hit high in the lineup. Because if you try to start, you know, wish casting a guy that's hitting in the bottom third, like, oh, maybe he can get in the top of the third. You're asking for a lot of what ifs. Um, so I'm looking, I was looking for, Somebody who is already projected to hit in the top of the lineup um, and is likely is, is in no danger of losing playing time because there's just really nothing else in the depth chart. And, and that just sucked me back to an old reliable Tony Kemp. Uh, you know, he's going to hit lead off for Oakland. Somebody's got to score runs at the top of the lineup. It can be him. You know, he has that dual eligibility. His ADP is four. 45 uh, over the last month. So he is freely available because, you know, the upside's not that great. I mean, he, uh, you would think, he is faster than he is, but the, the home to first time is not the best, and his sprint speed's not the best either, but he's going to be out there in volume. Uh, and so if you're looking for the runs and you can absorb the, the other penalties, like unlikely to get to 10 home, 10 home runs, unlikely to drive in, hell, even 50 runs because the bottom of that lineup's scary. But he could score the runs. He can get you enough steals, and he should hit for a decent uh, amount of batting average uh, to help uh, in that case. So I, I couldn't really come up with a better target uh, when I was looking. I, I wanted to say, okay, find me somebody else in Tony Kemp, but I couldn't really – everybody else I looked at, I came up with an excuse. I'm like, hits too low in the lineup. Hits too low in the lineup. It's going to be platooned, and, and Kemp was the best guy I could find. 
Yeah, I, I think Kemp's a really good pick. And honestly, um, I'm going to make a confession that I've made on, I think it was on the Friends of Fantasy Benefit uh, podcast when we did the Ace preview uh, there. Um, I'm part of the reason that Tony Kemp's uh, ADP is a little higher than it should be uh, because I was out and about during a draft champions draft um, and uh, my clock was running out. Uh, you know, I was doing like family, a family day type thing. And I was like, oh, no, I was on my phone. I was like, well, I really need a second baseman. I'm going to take him. And so I set the min pick accidentally on <laughs> uh, on Tony Kemp so that 353 min pick uh, is uh, a little fraudulent. I doubt I would have taken him had I been in front of my computer and like looking at my uh, actual projections and ranks because I did. I, had, I took him way above where I probably should have. Uh, but that being said, I, I like to pick. If you're looking for runs late, you're looking for, especially in like a draft champions league or any sort of deeper format league, you're looking for a guy who's multi-positional eligible, uh, you know, that can kind of, you know, play at two of the weaker positions at second base and outfield. I think Kemp makes a lot of sense. Uh, my guy is Mike Yastrzemski. Uh, I don't really, this is funny because I keep saying this now. I think it's the second time I said it. I don't really like Mike Yastrzemski as really a player. Um, or necessarily as a fantasy guy, uh, but you, you can't kind of like turn down the value. I think he's going to lead off uh, a fair amount, uh, or not a, not a fair amount, but some of the time in uh, San Francisco, he's going to play a lot because the rest of that defense in the outfield in San Francisco is really, really gross looking and shaky. Um, and so he's going to be counted on a lot to kind of help with that defense. And I think he could probably you know get to 75 80 runs scored yeah um even in that bad lineup if you look at kind of some of the projection systems out there zips uh uh dc has him at 80 runs scored uh you know steamers got him at 70 um you know the bad x has him at 63 atc is at 69 like when you're talking about a guy that is uh currently going you know pick 359 that's a pretty good value to kind of boost up your run scored if that's what you're lacking in uh, in terms of overall, uh, you know, kind of value on your on your team. Yeah, and the the, the thing about Yastrzemski right now that's kind of helping the ADP, and this is something that James Anderson and Rob DiPietro talked about on their recent uh, appearance together, uh, is that when the depth charts, when, when you're when it's projecting a platoon, you're saying this is a platoon, it's like, what if? What if they don't platoon? Because we know year over year, uh, splits aren't sticky enough every now and then a guy will hit uh, lefties when he's shown he can't hit lefties uh yeah so who knows what happens in that case so right now if you project a platoon it's gonna it's gonna depress that person's value but what if what if the projection what if the 70 30 split becomes an 85 15 split what if they do get on get on a heater and all of a sudden yastrzemski is um able to hit lefties uh, a little bit easier because you know, you're not going to have the overall line defense and maybe he decides, okay, you know, maybe a few more of those will get through uh, and he gets his opportunity. But then again, it's, you know, it is the Giants and Kapler does love leveraging those platoons and, and they've done extremely well with those things. So, you know, why mess with success? But again, you don't know what could happen. Uh, and again, we're talking about guys, either reserves uh, or guys you can put on a watch list to see what's happening. And I, I mean, here's the thing too, like I don't, think he will platoon a ton because uh, you have to look at the rest of the Giants you know, team. They've yeah. loved to platoon the last few years, right? They don't have the depth that they used to. They don't have, you know, they have Longoria's and the Brandon Belt that push these other guys that are now kind of starters into yeah. their, their bench. 
um, to kind of, you know, give them that opportunity. They also have a lot of guys who really do need to platoon in the Jock Petersons, um, in the Lamont Wades. And like, so having guys like that on your roster that are even much more uh, deserving of a platoon than Yastrzemski. Uh, plus, like I said, the defensive capabilities of Yastrzemski, I think really help him out. Will he lose some at backs against lefties? Absolutely, but I don't think it'll be as much as maybe other people do. So, I think yeah, defense can keep you in a lineup if, if you have your splits issues. Defense can still keep you in there. I mean, I, I say all the way at the top. That's the thing with Michael Harris. Anybody making a lot of noise about his issues with lefties last year? Sure, it may move him down the lineup on those days against lefties. But you're not taking Michael Harris out of the everyday lineup because he can't hit lefties. You're not taking yeah. that defense out. You're just going to move him down the bottom of the lineup. He puts somebody else in the two-hole uh, on that particular day. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So moving on to the next guy, uh, I'll go first this time. It's for RBIs. Uh, I've got Avisel Garcia, uh, who is one of these best shape of the life kind of guys, right? And we hear this uh, usually about every other year with Avisel Garcia. He, you know, he gets fat, then the next year he comes back and he's in really great shape and then he goes and gets fat and, you know, but this is one of the years where he is coming in, uh, apparently in really, really good shape. It sounds like he is healthy. Uh, he's going to hit pretty much every day in the middle of that Marlins lineup. It is not a great Marlins lineup, so you can't expect him to have a massive amount of RBIs, but I think he's being underdrafted right now. Uh, and, uh, like I have no problem kind of taking him where he's going, which is currently, uh, if I can find it. Uh, he is going, uh, wow, he is. Um, he's going 324 oh, currently yeah. on NFBC Draft Champion since the beginning of the year. Um, and I think he's just kind of a, a safe bet uh, that people aren't uh, people aren't kind of accounting for it now in the market. I think I don't know if it's because he had such a down year last year or because he's all the Marlins or maybe a combination of the two. But Avisel Garcia, I think, is a nice little value at pick 324 right now. Right. Uh, I agree. Yeah. No, Avisel, and this it was an interesting point. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts walking around lately. And, uh, you know, DVR mentioned it on the latest Rates and Barrels, was talking like, hey, uh, you know, that first year, like he rolled into Milwaukee and was like, man, like the first year is a Milwaukee contract, not great. Uh, and so, like he said, last year I was really out on him. Maybe it was DVR. I forget. Somebody was it, – it was DVR and somebody. But they were talking – no, I'm sorry. It was James and Rob again. James was like that first year in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, obviously, didn't really come out with a good attitude. You know, struggled. So, he goes, last year I was completely out in, uh, on him. I was I was in on him last year, and he burned me. Uh, but I like the Avisale pick here because it's a great example of just because a guy torched you doesn't mean you should give up on him. Uh, because for everything you laid out, and I would say the exact same thing about Jorge Soler as well, uh, who I like quite a bit, but he didn't qualify for here because he's inside the top 300. Mm -hmm. um, but I do like Jorge Soler quite a bit, even though he torched me in a couple of leagues last year. But Garcia has the skills. He can still hit the – when he's on, he's still very good. He's sneaky fast, uh, and he, you know, he's got you know, he's got the tools to have a good season. So I do like the pick. I mean, for me, uh, when I'm looking for RBIs – Obviously, it's a uh, lineup context. Where is that guy going to be hitting? And if you're looking for, you know, RBI spot, you got to look three, four, five. Uh, if you're trying to look for contribution, and for me, the one guy that stands out is another safe veteran uh, who should be safe. And I liked him last year and didn't work out as well. But Jonathan Scope, he's projected to hit cleanup for Detroit. Cleanup and you know, cleanup in any lineup 
even Oakland is going to get you 75 plus RBIs. And so if, if Scope can stay in that spot, you look at that lineup, and there's a good chance he could. Um, you know, if he could stay there and hit cleanup in that lineup, uh, you know, he could, again, fall into the RBIs and Scope's ADP is, you know, I've taken him in a couple leagues just because, uh, or if I've put him, put him in a couple of uh, write-ups too, because, you know, his ADP right now is 420. And he's way down there. Uh, for a guy that's scheduled to hit cleanup, he may be the lowest projected cleanup hitter uh, in ADP right now. Uh, but to me, again, he's going to be out there playing every day. Um, last year, you know, he did have first and second base eligibility in season, um, and perhaps he can get that again. Uh, but he only has second base eligibility right now, but he is coming, you know, way, way behind uh, some of the other projected cleanup hitters. Hell, he's still way behind Trevor Story, who may not even play this year. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jonathan Scope's a guy I'm looking for for uh, late RBS. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a Scope guy. Uh, he kind of is what he is at this point. I know last year was a down year. I think the dead and ball um, in that, that park uh, kind of hurt him quite a bit. Uh, but they are kind of bringing the fences a little bit in that park. Um, we don't know what kind of ball we're going to have. But I think All you right. can probably count on him for, you know, teens, maybe even high teens home runs a 245, 250 kind of batting average. And yeah, uh, you know, a good amount of uh, RBIs and re- even runs too. Uh, you know, in 2021, hit 22 home runs, with 85 <laughs> runs and 84 RBIs. I think it's a really good pick. I think he's a guy who's just being overlooked because of the down year last year. It happens. There's always, there's always a lot of, uh, you know, value to be found uh, in last year's trash. Uh, and Scope certainly would qualify as trash last year. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, who is your uh, guy uh, for stolen bases? I, I believe this is the only time I went homer uh, in the entire thing. Uh, it is the only time I went homer. But uh, that light right here, if you're looking on video, uh, this way. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha, here. I went with Jose Siri for steals. Uh, getting back to the earlier comment, that guys aren't going to get benched for defense. Uh, you know, Siri is as good, uh, if not better, defender than Kiermaier. Uh, for skills, He's got he's got elite speed. Uh, he just doesn't have elite on base skills. That said, when you look at what Tampa Bay hasn't done this offseason, uh, it's add anybody. You know, they don't have, they didn't go out, they haven't added bats. It, they're either playing the waiting game and looking for one of those aforementioned free agent guys that are still sitting out there, or they're going to say, okay, let's just you know go with what we had and keep things, uh, keep open paths for guys like Curtis Mead and Kyle Manzaro. Um, at the corners, um, if they you know if they believe that Mead can handle third base, uh, if not, they'll find somewhere for that bat uh, with that. So that's so if you're not going to add to the lineup, you're going to have to manufacture runs. And Siri, you know, Jeff Zimmerman wrote an article last week talk, talking about where in the lineup is beneficial for stolen bases, and he talked about you know the difference if you if you go from first to second. So if you want to have steals like first, seventh, eighth, or ninth, well, Siri's never going to hit first, never. Um, but he's going to be down there at the bottom part of the lineup, hitting eighth or ninth, and he'll have the ability to run and set the table for the top of the lineup because if he can get on base, he has elite speed, uh, and he has a pretty good uh, stolen base success rate uh, with that. And so they could he could have a license to run down there at the bottom, series ADP because of his offensive limitations, um, is you know it's down there even in a shallow even how the uh, outfield pool is the series right now is uh, at three thirteen uh, so he barely qualified for this but even with the shallow outfield 
uh, situation overall that's been talked about the death this offseason by just about every podcast. <laughs> it's a here shallow. Um, Siri, with his speed upside, uh, with the potential to have 20-plus steals, and he's not he, – he doesn't swing a wet noodle either. He just swings at everything. That's the difference. So he could he could have a pretty decent power year, could have a really nice year with stolen bases. Yeah, the runs and the RBIs are going to be hurting down there in the bottom part of the lineup. Um, and the batting average is certainly a risk, but there's some upside here in steals. And I'm, I'm, I was honestly surprised to find him sitting down there and the, outside the top 300 with the speed upside. Yeah, I mean, he has atrocious, atrocious contact skills. Um, you know, I, I would even venture to say he doesn't even have contact skills. But that being said, there is power in the bat. Um, not a, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a ton of power, but there I think is close to league average power in the bat. There's a ton of speed, and you're right. The defense is the big thing here. Defense will keep him in that lineup, uh, you know, pretty regularly, batting ninth, uh, with the ability to steal 30 bases if things, you know, go uh, really, really well for him. Uh, that being said, I think I've got him projected for more of like 18 or 19 stolen bases, uh, which is totally fine. I mean, who's a guy who could be this year's John Birdie? I think uh, Jose Siri definitely fits the bill there. Yeah, uh, and I like your guy uh, because he's somebody else that uh, I liked coming into last year, and I still have my eyes on him because of how young he is. I mean, the skills are certainly still there. Yeah, um, my guy is Leody Tavares. Uh, I've mentioned him a few times already on the pod. Uh, in 341 plate appearances last year at the major league level, uh, he stole 11 bases, hit five home runs, hit 261. Like, I know the plate skills aren't great, you know, uh, but – you know, he had just about league average zone contact last year and about a league average O-swing uh, last year. Um, and if he can kind of keep some of those gains, like why can't he turn into, um, you know, a guy who's playing every day and, you know, potentially uh, like a 15-20, 15-25 kind of, uh, you know, player. He's got 70-grade speed. Like this is a legit, really, really fast guy who knows how to steal bases. Um, I'm actually really surprised there isn't more uh, heat on him in terms of his ADP uh, in draft season right now uh, because I think he's going way too low. He's going to pick uh, 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 357 in NFBC draft champions. I think he's an absolute steal, uh, no pun intended, uh, right now <laughs> in terms of uh, his price. Well, you look at the de- you look at the the rotation there. We, I, I want to say this is something we talked about a while ago uh, for this, but you look at you look at the depth chart there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, we, you know, he's projected as a center field. They've got Josh Smith. They want to get in the play. They got Bubba Thompson. But the big thing for Tavares, no options left. This you know, it's it's make or break. He's in the Willie Calhoun. This is where Willie Calhoun was last year, and they ended up cutting Calhoun. Uh, but that you know, Tavares is still 24 years old, uh, and they have liked him for a while. And so I, I would be stunned if they gave him the the Willie Calhoun heap ho uh, early on and said, okay, next up, let's let's see where this is, because also you got the the defense in place. So yeah, there are some risks, but if you're looking for to be able to get a guy with double double potential uh, in homers and steals this late in, in the draft. At a position that we've talked about that has some scarcity, that's a win. Yeah, and I think the defense thing shouldn't be understated either because he is uh, a fantastic defender. Um, and neither Josh Smith or Bubba Thompson are anything more than like probably league average defenders. Um, 
And so I think the defense alone should keep him in the lineup in the same way that it kept, uh, that it kept Adolis Garcia in the lineup for him to kind of unlock some of his offensive right. potential. So, uh, you know, and you're playing on, you're playing in an outfield with those kind of question marks. I mean, let's be honest, Bubba Thompson cannot hit. Like it just like, I, I keep saying this, um, he can, run. Run. <laughs> he can run, but you can't steal first base. Um, so that, that, that is yeah. a problem. Uh, I, I don't think Bubba Thompson's really going to turn into a thing. I could be. No, wrong. And he's got he's got options. You know, he's got uh, all mm-hmm. three options, and you know, uh, Eli White's out of the picture uh, here because yep. that was part of the other. You know, they had all these different types. It's like okay, find one out of this group. Uh, but I, I keep looking like uh, I, I, he didn't come out of my queue. But like Brad Miller, still he's like outfield third base eligible, uh, mm-hmm. and like he was still sitting there. I think I had him in the queue in the 50th round on the DC that closed out yesterday. Uh, but I had Alex call ahead of him. Uh, maybe it's because I just don't see Brad Miller sticking around where I'm like, let's see what happens with Alex call in the 50th round. I need somebody and I already had enough multi-positional guys. So uh, the opportunity should certainly be there for Tavares. All right, let's uh, move over to the pitching side. Um, and we'll start with strikeouts. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I'm just Charlie Brown kicking the football at this point, but I know I'll get strikeouts from Josiah Gray. Um, I, you'll probably give up a ton of home runs as well uh, to get those strikeouts. ERA, the whip may not be very good. Uh, he's on the Nationals, so they're not going to win a lot of games. So this is purely a strikeout play. But man, Josiah Gray, all he does is strike guys out uh, and give up runs. So uh, that's my boy. I'm I'm going back to the well on that. You, know, you you took my guy for this. It's funny too because the guy that I put, I actually wrote an article back at the end of November about both of these guys. I wrote Josiah Gray up, and I, in the article, I said, "Look, his 2022 reminded me reminded me not saying exactly reminded me of Tristan McKenzie in 2021." could get the strikeouts, but was given up home runs. And part of that issue was falling behind in counts and becoming too fastball heavy and the fastball getting crushed. Mm-hmm. So if you can find fastball command, which is what McKenzie did last year, McKenzie took a step forward. Yeah, he still gave up home runs, but not not the extreme volume of it. So that's where I was like, you know what, there could be something here. Because when you look at when you look at uh Josiah Gray, I mean here's the here was the beating he took. It's like when the when he was ahead in the account, 184 batting average, 309 slug, 37% strikeout rate. All right. When the batter was ahead, they had a 558 slug and a 13% strikeout rate. And it was an even count, 23% strikeout rate, but a 611 slug to mm-hmm. that, that command. And if he can get more consistent with it, he could take a big step forward. And so I do like the pick. Um, but I took Kyle Bradish uh, on mine, and I took Bradish. <laughs> Because as I wrote this article up, and my dogs obviously agree. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the uh, so the uh, I took Bradish because I I believe he's closer uh, than that, and I like you know I, I do like Baltimore better than Washington this year. So you have to put that context into play uh, with that. Uh, but I think Bradish, and it was funny because. Uh, Jeff Erickson and I got into a conversation. He was hoping to get him late uh, in uh, in town. I was like, if you've got money, I'm going to be there too uh, on that one. So I do like Bradish. Uh, you can put the article in the show notes, but Bradish, I was impressed with what I saw last year, and I, I believe he's a little uh, – Yeah, I, I love Kyle Bradish. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's kind of been uh, pr- uh, a lot higher up on my ranks uh, than – 
the ADP uh, would suggest for uh, for you know other people. So uh, I'm going to end up with British quite a bit. I really like the gains he made in the second half. Yeah, uh, you know, with the pitch mix uh, change. So um, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. So uh, you, I, was, I think that was the one where I went. Uh, oh, you stole my pick. <laughs> The uh, and I would say because I mentioned I mentioned the Gray McKenzie comp there when I looked at when I was reading up on Bradish the one thing that the the one I kept coming back to was Drew Rasmussen that's what he reminded me of and we saw what the step forward that Rasmussen took last year when he was just like I'm going to pound the strike zone I know what I can't do I don't have a really good off speed pitch but whatever if I just force it if I force the issue with my fastball location, they use the breaking balls and go off all that. It, it works. And then if you go back, like if you want to do your homework, if you haven't watched Brader's pitch yet, go back and watch his start against the Astros at the end of September. Um, it was in, just super impressive. Uh, and you watch what that what he did against that team. Uh, and I was just like, I'm all in. And that's why I decided, like I had a, a note, my notepad is like, I got to write, I got to look under the hood and find out more on this because I really just enjoyed what I watched. And I want to see what, what else is here. And so I wrote up, that article at the end of November. So I just found it funny that you and I chose those two guys. Cause had you, if, if you were the East coast guy and taken British, I would have taken Greg. Perfect. Uh, so we're in lockstep there. Uh, let's, uh, let's move over to wins. Who do you got for wins? Uh, I, a guy that I know you and Paul have talked about Cody Morris. Uh, you know, when you look at Morris and the upside and again, somebody else who's really impressive. And I always love a, a right-hander that's got the velocity and it's got a really good changeup. Uh, you know, maybe it's the James Shields sucker in me because I love that changeup when he was at his prime. Uh, but Cody Morris has got the upside. He just needs the role. And I know you guys talked about it, um, uh, a couple of episodes ago, but you know, Zach Plesak and Cal Quantrill should not block his path. The only the only risk with Cody Morris is how much workload can he assume this year uh, because it has been limited. Uh, but he can start the season in the pen where he can vulture some wins out like a, a Tim Meza or a Dylan Lee did last year and then perhaps move into the rotation. I'm not projecting a Spencer Strider-like leap from the, from the bullpen to the rotation, but I believe Morris does have some upside there for a team which I, I believe is going to have a pretty good season this year. Uh, and, you know, they just won 92 games last year. Um, and he has the opportunity in whatever the role is to do well. Uh, and I, right now he's in the 300. He's somebody that I expect to see his ADP uh, climb, continue to climb, because I haven't looked to see where things have been uh, lately with him. Uh, where his trending is, but right now he's at 391. But if he were to make the rotation out of camp, you could easily see that skyrocketing. Yeah, I think the question really does come down to how many innings can we expect uh, out of Cody Morris? I mean, he threw, let's see, uh, only 23 and two-thirds at the major league level. You add another 21 and a third in the minor leagues. Um, and that really doesn't, give you a whole lot of confidence he's going to get to like 130 140 right um, i could see him kind of like in the eli morgan role um which is it was actually really really valuable um uh for uh fantasy uh uh managers last year uh because he had such a you know stellar um ratios with you know decent amount of strikeouts even for 66 and two-thirds any plus five wins 
Um, and so, like, I could see him kind of assume that role if they maybe want to move uh, Morgan back into a rotation spot. But they've got to do something about Plesak because Plesak is nothing but an innings eater and not a very good one at this point. So uh, <laughs> I, I would I would assume that there are a number of guys who are competing for that fifth spot in the rotation uh, where uh, where Plesak is right now. Plesak probably has the advantage just because he's already been there and because he's built up in innings. But I like Cody Morris a lot. I just worry that we can't see him get to maybe even triple digits in innings this year. Uh, my guy is. Um, a lot less uh, of a sexy pick, but more of just like a old guy is uh, as reliable as you can be. Going at pick 352 right now in NFBC Draft Champions, I've got Adam Wainwright. Like, uh, like, I understand, like, you know, he is not the pitcher that he used to be, but he's going to get wins. He's in a good park. He's got a great defense behind him uh, and a great offense to help give him run support. We're talking, I know he only had 11 wins last year, but he had 17 wins um, in 2021, uh, 14 wins in 2019. Like, this is a guy that even just at an advanced age and reduced skills can go, go out, give you six innings and an opportunity to win because that team around him is so damn good. He's entering Nelson Cruz territory. Like, people yeah. keep waiting for him to fall and then be like, ha ha, let me see, he sucks. I told you. Because uh, I recall the. Uh, one of the last two seasons, I was taking Adam Wainwright in dollar days. Now, he yeah. was still sitting down here, getting them late, and here for everything he just outlined, here came all the wins. Uh, but like he was, it was almost too good. You look at that price, you're like, why is he just still sitting there? Uh, and so it took him. But yeah, he's almost entering like the Nelson Cruz of pitchers, where you want him to fail, uh, like you want him to pull a Zach Greinke, be like, hey, hey you know, here it is, it finally happened. You know, uh, is it will be curious to see how he and the other St. Louis pitchers handle the post Molina uh, era, you know, uh, and adjusting to Wilson Contreras uh, and uh, Andrew Kaiser are still there. Uh, that's the deal. I'm mm -hmm. um, But it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to that. that the, so uh, it's just something to watch, but it's nothing that I'm like, I'm, I'm totally out on this guy. Cause he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have his you know, forever battery mate anymore. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we move over to ERA. Uh, here's another point in which, like, the guy you picked was a guy that was definitely high up on my list, but it was pretty easy for me to pivot to Aaron Savali. Um, Savali, uh, you know, just has to stay on the field. Like, he, he's been, a, you know, a pretty good pitcher with some really tantalizing skills um, and has had a hard time staying on the field. But right now, I mean, he is just going so cheap. Uh, he's currently going at pick. Uh, 311. Uh, I think he should have a, a rotation spot locked up at this point, entering the year healthy. I think this could finally be the year of an Aaron Savali breakout. I'm trying to get him on a lot of teams right now. Yeah, uh, I like the pick. Uh, you know, for me, I went with a guy that I have in multiple, I have him in XFL, uh, and I have him in a couple of other leagues already. And it's because I was super impressed watching him as a starter last year, and that's Ross Stripling. Uh, I really like what he did with Toronto last year uh, and the numbers, you know, you look at his overall numbers. He had a bit of a rough patch uh, at when he was working out of the pen, which, which beat his numbers up a little bit where he was working as a non-starter, I would say, but you know, 18% strikeout minus uh, walk percentage, 229 batting average against a sub one whip. Um, there was a lot to like. Uh, and so now he moves into an environment 
where it should be a little better for him. Not that Roger Center was absolutely beating him up, um, but it's I, I like the move uh, to San Francisco. I was he was somebody I was definitely keeping an eye on to see where he signed, uh, and I thought that was a good place for him. Like as I mentioned, XFL, I believe I have him for five dollars. He was one of my keepers because uh, I was like, you know, I I want this guy. I remember talking with Ian Khan. He was like, what do you see there? I was like, you got to go watch him pitch. Uh, I really liked what I saw from him down the stretch last year uh, as he was helping uh, helping Toronto make that final push. But that's the guy that I want to look at for a continuation of that success this year. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think you know, and it's a pretty good landing spot uh, for uh, for Stripling as well. The only thing I, that worries about that worries me uh, about. Ross Stripling isn't a Ross Stripling issue. It's a defensive issue. The The Giants were one of the worst defensive teams in baseball last year. They haven't really done anything to make it better. In some ways, they may have actually made it worse, um, allowing uh, guys like Evan Longoria, you know, who are, you know, good defensive players still to leave uh, and replace them with kind of mediocre, bad defensive players. So uh, I do worry about like the defense letting him down. You know, for all of you guys who are out there, like, you know, talking about, oh, Alex Cobb, Alex Cobb this year, um, that defense is still going to let Alex Cobb down. It's going to let them, a lot of the Giants players, yeah, lead their way through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, I don't know that I am going to get overly invested in a lot of Giants uh, pitching this year just because I think the defense is going to be really bad again. Uh, but I do like Stripling. It's a really good price uh, so far through draft season. Uh, moving over to the other um, uh, ratio category, who do you got for whip? You know, for that, I have Tyler Wells, and I'm in, I'm intrigued by Tyler Wells with Baltimore uh, because you know you think in your head, okay, okay, he must have really enjoyed pitching in Camden Yards last year. Nope, no, he didn't. Uh, he was actually pretty terrible at home last year, uh, and he ended the season with shoulder soreness that put him that that you know cut short a season in the second half. But you go back and look what he was able to do in the first half. And, you know, he had a 224 batting average against and a 275 OBP and 372 slug. And that was, those are excellent numbers uh, for a pitcher. Uh, and he just had trouble, uh, you know, in the second half with the shoulder trouble and pitching at home. He had a couple of uh, rough outings. But for me, like right now, going back to that earlier point I made, depth charts kind of suppress the guy's value. Right now he's projected in the bullpen. I don't know how, like a guy that made, that was started 23 games last year. It's like they're putting him in the bullpen, but you know, he tried to pitch through the the shoulder trouble late and then came back towards the end of the season. Uh, with that, you look at some of the uh, numbers late were not great there, but right now he's projected for the, the back end of the bullpen. But you look at that rotation, your favorite pitcher in the world, Kyle Gibson and, you know, Cole Irvin. We talked about Kyle Bradish uh, earlier, Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez. How much are they going to let Rodriguez pitch this year? So, like, I believe there's opportunity there for uh, for Wells to do a lot more than be a middle reliever uh, for him. So that's where I'm looking at this, uh, and somebody that uh, I believe even mixed leaguers should be keeping an eye on, despite what the overall numbers were last year and what the projections, because projections aren't very high on him. Uh, but I I believe there's some value there. Yeah. I just don't know where the, the the starts come from. I mean, like you said, they brought in not just Kyle Gibson, but also Cole Irvin to soak up a lot of yep. innings. Now Grayson Rodriguez uh, has been pretty much assured a uh, an opening day roster spot. Deal Hall's still there. Um, you know, uh, Bradish is there. Uh, Dean Kremer is there. And then at some point, uh, Means is going to come back and, you know, enter this rotation probably about mid-season. 
I just think there's so many guys blocking uh, him, unfortunately, that uh, I think he's probably going to be a long reliever, at least to start the year. Who knows? These things often work themselves out um, because of injuries to, to random guys. So, uh, But he's probably the only guy on this list uh, of yours that I was kind of like, nah. Well, actually, never mind. The next guy, too, we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but um, my guy is Jose Suarez. He's not necessarily actually really a great whip guy. But what he is is just a really, really good pitcher um, that was especially good in the second half last year. Uh, and I think he can outperform uh, a lot of what he uh, is projected to do by a lot of the projection systems. You look at what he did in the second half. Um, and he had a 102 whip, uh, you know, for, uh, in uh, in the second half. Uh, he made some changes to kind of the pitch mix uh, and kind of how often he was using certain pitches, uh, and it paid huge dividends. I think he's one of the most underrated starting pitchers going right now in drafts. Uh, I like Jose Suarez a lot. Where are you at on him? Uh, I like him quite a bit too. Uh, you know, we watched him pitch a few times last year. You could see the upside. Uh, I wasn't, you know, perhaps I should have been more on him last year than I was. I kept trying to look for reasons not to. And by the time I was sold on him, it was too late, uh, which is one of the things I want to work on this year as a player as well is, yeah, you know, things need more time, but you don't have a lot of time. So sometimes I'm too critical of things like that. Uh, but definitely want to see where things go uh, with him this year. Uh, I'm not out on him, uh, but I haven't ended up with him yet either. Uh, he, he's been like there in my queue, but somebody's always been a couple of picks ahead of me. Uh, and I, I'm so far O for the offseason. Yeah, I, I I don't have. I think I've got him only on one team so far, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that here uh, in the very near future. Um, moving on to closers to kind of finish out the pod today. Um, this is a difficult one because once you get past pick 300, there's obviously not guys who are in concrete roles, and the only one that I could really find. Um, was Daniel Hudson of the Dodgers. Now, I think the Dodgers are going to use some sort of committee uh, and kind of spread out the saves, but I think Hudson's going to get the vast majority of that as long as he's healthy entering the season. And that's what I want. I want a guy who's going outside pick 300 that could potentially be the main closer for one of the best teams in baseball. And that's what Daniel Hudson is. I'm going to take him in as many drafts as I can, and I, I have so far. He's certainly capable of doing it. Uh, you know, we, we've seen him close out a World Series before. Uh, so he's certainly capable of doing it uh, with that. And uh, I hear you. I, I, you know, after I talk about my guy, I, you know, if you, you listener would be like, yeah, I agree with Justin too, because, you know, at least your guy's done it before. Uh, I put Hunter Harvey down because I'm going to continue, you know, mainlining the hopium thinking he's finally going to be a closer uh, at some point because he he's not a starter. He can't be. And you look way back to when he was projected with, with Baltimore, you know, none of that ever materialized, but he's can still, he still has the talent to be an effective reliever in that situation. For me, it's like, uh, you know, Kyle Finnegan, you look at the nationals and it's like, if Finnegan can do anything, they can move Finnegan out. And Finnegan's 31, he'll be turning 32 in the season uh, you know, the contract, they still got some room in that contract, but if, if he can show any value, they can move on from him. Whereas Hunter Harvey's still 28 uh, and they can move him into that role. So for me, it's like, I look at Hunter Harvey as somebody who is probably has a near zero chance of getting saves at the start of the season, but is the type of guy that we end up running to the fab line for on Sunday night to throw money down because he gets the job uh, at some point. So I would rather, uh, 
you know, if, if I've got, like if we talk standard NFBC, you got a seven-man bench. I understand it's really tough to carry these types of guys. I get that. In a DC, it's not hard at all, obviously. He's going to find way into the uh, into it. In your normal league formats, you know, if you're in a you know, home keeper league type of thing, depending on the depth of your reserve roster, especially if you end up with Finnegan, you know, it would be a good idea to, as an insurance policy, not saying he's got to be your top reserve pick, but it, there's no harm in having the next guy up because I don't believe that's Hunter. I don't believe that's Carl Edwards jr. Um, you know, Hunter Harvey's got the best stuff in that bullpen, uh, with that, I know they just signed Alex Colome to a non-invitee, but man, that's the problem. Is no, you know, I I like Kyle Finnegan. I'm a big Kyle Finnegan guy. I can see why you like Hunter Harvey, um, and I actually like him a lot too. The problem is, I'm really worried that they just signed Alex Colome, who's the quote-unquote proven guy. Like that's yeah, like and and I, you know, as much as I like to think that you know skills will play themselves out, and they do over the course of a season. I really worry that they're going to try to give this job to Alex Colome. And, um, and so like I've backed off getting shares of Kyle Finnegan um, and Hunter Harvey, just because I don't want, and I said this on a pod podcast recently, I can't remember where, but uh, if I'm going to invest in a closer situation, that seems muddied. I want to do it on teams that are good, not teams that are bad. Yeah. Um, and Washington could legitimately be the worst team in the national league. Uh, this year, I don't think they're going to be as bad as the <laughs> they will be. I think I think Pittsburgh at least has got some some pieces. Yeah. So like I why like why do I want to invest in um, a situation where maybe twenty five saves are going to get distributed to multiple guys? And so for that reason alone, I'm probably staying away from a lot of these guys. Right. So fair enough. <laughs> All right, Jason. Uh, where can people reach you at? What are you working on? Uh, I'm still on the work on the bold prediction series, uh, so I've got half of them out. Uh, recently, the uh, AL, no, the NL Central, right? No, the AL Central published. Uh, we talked a little bit about that last week, um, and I will give you all a hint about, or not a hint. I'll just tell you exactly who I'm putting out there for this time. And if, as soon as I can pull up a sheet. Um, I will tell you who the 10 names are for the NL Central uh, as I work on the write-up, and those names are going to be, come on, Google Chromebook, let's go. All right, we've got Dansby Swanson, why I don't like him, Jeremiah Estrada, why I do like him, Chad Pinder, of course, Nick Lodolo, who I don't like, uh, Sal Frelick, Matt Bush, Andy Rodriguez, Mitch Keller, Lars Newtbar, and Jordan Montgomery. Those are the names, uh, you know, uh, one of our listeners who happens to be my home league commission, Rob, has pointed out that I've been a little uh, optim. I've been more optimistic in my bold prediction so far this year than pessimistic. Uh, I will tell you that this batch is going to be more 50-50. I've got some. I'm dumping on a couple of guys. Uh, I'm I'm never going to compare them to Mike Zanino. I mean, that's just oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. But I am I am a little more balanced here in the NL Central, looking to to fade some guys that the market's a little um, that that the market's a little higher on than I am. While like looking at some other guys, um, so and like I said last week, I believe I gave you all the names of the AL, but the one I just put out uh, with Josh Bell, uh, Josh Bell, Cody White, uh, Keel Badu, Matthew Boyd, Nick Prado, Brady Singer, Nick Gordon, and Bailey Ober. There was a lot of um, optimism uh, in those. So uh, that's those are the guys that I have. Uh, in that. So, uh, yeah, keep reading. I'll have that wrapped up just in time to head down. If anybody's coming to first pitch Florida, 
uh, sponsored by Baseball HQ and USA Today. I will be there for that. Uh, and then you and I will see each other in Tout Wars. And, yep. uh, yeah, well, March is, like, done. I, I, somebody's already invited me. Apparently, NFBC is doing single-league only auctions. Uh, and somebody DM'd me and was like, hey, uh, we're doing it this weekend. I'm like, I'll see if I can make it work. It's like, honestly, it's it's getting tough to find room on the calendar here the next few weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I was actually telling my wife right before I recorded that I'm literally, as soon as I'm done uh, recording and editing this pod, that I'm going to be bringing in uh, my brand new dollar store, uh, you know, calendar here uh, that uh, I'm going to uh, like calendar out all of my stuff for the next couple months uh, because, yeah, it's it's kind of getting crazy in terms of everything that's going to be going on. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB. I'm writing daily fan graphs. I'm obviously on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, uh, but I'm also doing uh, the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, which uh, just finished their 30 team previews in 30 days. Um, uh, and we're going to be kind of moving over to our regular content after the Super Bowl for, or what will be our regular content for the year after the Super Bowl, which will be hopefully multiple pods a week. Uh, uh, with me and uh, a number of other kind of co-hosts from Friends, uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, we're going to revamp the Patreon. I'm supposed to talk to Paul today at some point uh, to kind of revamp that a little bit. Um, and uh, and I'm probably going to be taking the lead on that. So, oh, nice. um, uh, And so uh, it's going to include things like listener leagues um, and kind of uh, a weekly watch party where I pick a game a week where I'm going to sit down with anybody from the Discord. Pretty much everything, you know, for the most part, are going to be available in the uh, in the $4.20 tier. Um, so uh, because we're children, we thought 420 was funny. I think it's a Kyle Gibson tier, but I can't remember uh, uh, off the top of my head what it's named. Uh, and so if you want to become, uh, a, you know, a Patreon and be kind of uh, available for a lot of the things that we're going to be offered, the $4.20 tier will be where you will get that. Um, things like projections and in uh, uh, our live ranks uh, that we shall be updating daily through the rest of the year uh, mm -hmm. will be available, I think, in the $15 tier. So and then I think everything else uh, that is kind of uh you know a little bit cooler um will also be av available in the 15 dollars tier so we appreciate everyone who has been supporting the patreon so far we understand if um you can't uh be a part of the patreon because you can't uh, afford it or you don't like us enough to afford it uh but uh we will not like um have like secret episodes necessarily or anything like that everything that uh all our episodes for the podcast will always be available for free you just may get earlier access or cooler access uh if you're a part of the patreon so appreciate everyone who's supporting us um that will wrap us up for this episode for jason myself thank you for listening have fantastic baseball offseason peace <laughs>